1: Experience. Experience. Experience.
2: Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience, presented by DraftKings 2021 Rocket Mortgage Classic. DraftKings picks and preview. You want to play in the best tournament on DraftKings? Easy. Hit the description. Get the link to the Pat Mayo Experience listeners league. Fifteen dollars to play. Three max entry. No rake. That is why it is the best tournament on DraftKings every single week. Also, when I'm talking about stats, I'm talking about modeling and all of that fun stuff and ownership. In that regard, FantasyNational.com. If you go to FantasyNational.com slash Mayo, you get yourself 20% off. You get the monthly membership right now. It'll take you through the British Open. So get some time, acclimate yourself to the site, and then, boom, deploy it when you know how to use all of the tools for those gigantic prize pools at The Open Championship. I call it the Open Championship, but in terms of SEO, you want to call it the British Open if you live in North America, because that is what Americans search. Joining me on the line today for the first time ever on the Pat Mayo Experience, and the only reason that I ended up coming across Andy was... Meinberg started having really good stats all of a sudden, and I was like, <laughs> "I know that he's not coming up with these on his own." And then he was like, "Yeah, th- this Andy Lack guy keeps hitting me up on Twitter uh, in terms of uh, giving me these stats on this." I was like, "All right." Uh, then I checked out the podcast. So if you want to go and search "Pick the Pip" on Apple Podcasts, you can find Andy's podcast contributor Rotoballer at ADP Lack Sports on Twitter. Andy, thanks for joining the show, man.
3: Absolutely, man. Thanks for having me. It's an honor, Pat. I've been a fan of your show for a while. It's been great to uh, strike up a nice little friendship with uh, Feinberg over the last couple of months. Although I have to say kind of the foundation of our friendship, as you mentioned, is me basically providing him with ridiculous ammo for like reasons to bet Fleetwood and Finau.
2: And he continues to do it, and he continues to lose <laughs> on those guys, but hits his winners on the other on one. On those guys, yeah. yeah. For sure. Remember, everyone out there, smash the like button to the episode, subscribe to Mayo Media Network. And if you haven't seen the news yet, we're going to have a brand new show on Mayo Media Network. But in the comment section, give me your favorite 6K play on DraftKings this week for the Rocket Mortgage. The announcement is, you know Kenny Kim, you know... Toe Tag and Tambo. You might even remember him from my show when I just berated him at one point for getting so upset with him. Still one of my friends. So the Fantasy Golf Degenerates podcast is joining Mayo Media Network. It's joining the Audio Podcast Network and starting next week... Kenny and Tambo are going to be on video on the network as well. I can't think of a show that jibes more with you know, the theme of Mayo Media Network. We're just going to triple down on golf. I love Kenny. I love Tambo. And if you don't know about them, I mean, I'm sure you do, but now you can watch them every single week on Mayo Media Network. So I'm fucking pumped for it. The graphics look awesome. So I'm hopefully their mics and cameras aren't absolute shit. But I want to jump into the course right away, Andy. Last year, Bombers really did well. Uh, bombers and putters. That's essentially what you need here. Now, the year before, it wasn't necessarily the case where you had a lot of just great approach players who also made a ton of putts. Putting seems to factor in at this course more than anything because you're going to get to like minus 23, minus 25. Those have been the scores for the past two years. And you know, with the average drive up over 300 yards, it makes this course a whole lot shorter than it looks on paper. So, do you think that Bombers is the way to go, especially with all the rain that Detroit's getting right now?
3: I am not particularly looking at bombers more so than like your standard players in terms of distance, because if you look at uh, the leaderboard last year, I know that Bryson and Wolf finished one and two, but the guy who finished for third was Kevin Kisner fourth, I believe was Ryan armor, uh, Danny Willett and Tyrrell Hatton. And then guys like Webb Simpson and Matt McNeely finished eighth. So I wouldn't necessarily rule out shorter players at all. I think everybody can compete on this course. The rain thing does worry me a little bit, as you mentioned, but from what I've heard, it does seem like there's some good drainage on this course. So I'm not ruling any player out, Pat. As you mentioned, I think that when you get a course with easy fairways to hit and easy greens to hit, a lot more guys that are usually missing those greens, some of the worst ball strikers, now instead of having to get up and down for par, now they have a 30-footer for birdie or a 25-footer for birdie. So obviously, distance helps. It helps on any courses but i think that a myriad of types of players can compete here
2: one thing that i found when running through all of the top finishers last year it wasn't necessarily distance it was strokes gained off the tee so you even have yeah. someone like willet who gained almost two strokes kisner gained almost two strokes so there's different ways to approach this uh distance maybe not necessarily the, the key factor here, they're just going to hit if the field is hitting around 70% of fairways, and these guys are hitting 95% of fairways, that's going to lead to a pretty good strokes gained off the tee, that's sort of the Ryan Armour game plan, and where his usual lack of distance is getting more roll on this course, at least when it was firm and fast last year, maybe not so much this time around he was just getting to his key wedge rate he was like 130 on every hole, and then he started making putts, so it's going to be really interesting in a field like this of 156 you're going to see probably a lower end 6 of 6 percentage, just because the entire field can compete when you attack fields like this when guys in the 6k range seem like i mean they're obviously not more live than bryson to win but they probably have a higher win equity than they would most weeks do you just go stars and scrubs do you go balance how do you approach it
3: i'm going a little bit more balanced this week although i've been looking at the ownership projections on fantasy national and i was actually shocked to see how kind of leveled out the ownership is this week, um, which presents people with a ton of options, right? There's not like necessarily an overwhelming guy that everyone's going to. I think the mo- the guy that most people seem to be going to is Kokrak, but even Kokrak is at like 19%. That's not crazy if you if I had to make a guess earlier in the week I wouldn't be shocked if Bryson was like 30 percent this week and we still may get that as the week goes on it's just not looking like that right now so I think you have a ton of options based on how the ownership shaking out Um, like for example Bryson um, you know if Bryson's sitting there at around like 16 or 17% and not everybody is playing Bryson, you can go with a guy like Bryson and not feel like you have to differentiate so much towards the bottom to get some leverage there. So I think you have a ton of options. I'm probably going a little bit more balanced this week, but based on how the ownership's shaking out, it seems like such a level week that there's so many options with what you can do.
2: Well, let's talk Bryson. Then he's eleven thousand four hundred dollars. The defending champion at this course. He's five hundred dollars more expensive than the next closest player, who's Patrick Reed at ten nine. I'm looking at the ownerships now. He's trending up over 20%, closer to 23% in early lineups. But again, we're speaking on a Tuesday morning. By the time we get to Wednesday evening, which is why everyone should subscribe to the newsletter, and I make my horrible ownership guesses. Uh, Maybe that won't, maybe that'll do you a disservice. I don't know. But we'll have more information to work off of, because there's only around 3,000 lineups generated so far. By the time we get to Wednesday evening, that's going to be like 30,000. So I trust that sample size a little bit more than I do right now. I just find it's going to be hard to get away from them, because like I spoke about at the beginning i think they are pretty viable options in the low sevens and in the sixes. is that just having an a, in normal weeks having in an over eleven thousand dollar player really makes the back end of your lineup look pretty crappy but this field sucks so what's really the difference between some of these low sevens guys the high sevens guys and like the low eights guys
3: absolutely i mean i was prepared to fade bryson uh if the ownership was astronomical, which it doesn't look like it's going to be. Uh, My only concern with Bryson is, you know, there seems to be this narrative that this is like the perfect course for Bryson. And he has such an advantage here. I think that Bryson possesses the biggest advantage on long courses with thick, rough and narrow fairways, like a winged foot, like a Bay Hill, like a Torrey Pines. This is a short course with moderate rough and easy fairways to hit Um, where top 10 finishers aren't even cracking a stroke off the tee on average. I mean, how much does your length help you when you're 148th out of 156 players in proximity from 75 to 100 yards? I think the chief reason that he won on this course is because he gained eight strokes putting, not necessarily because he bludgeoned it to death. Um, I think the perfect Bryson course is a course where half of the field is out of it before the tournament even starts like a Tory or a winged footer like I mentioned to a certain extent Bay Hill and he can kind of just bomb away and use the fact that he's number one in proximity from 200 yards plus because that's like an eight iron for him and everyone else is hitting a four iron I feel like this is like the opposite of that like in theory this is the opposite type of the tournament that you want to go heavy on the favorite no
2: I would think so I, I well, it, it just he feel and like him and Reed in terms of like win equity seemed to actually be pretty close but Patrick Reed is such an outlier in that and where you're at a course like this where the web simpsons of the world even the sung jays some of the shorter hitters are more in play than you would think it just it feels like bryson if he's on he's so much better than everyone here and that's why yes. the odds are so short
3: yeah absolutely and i mean like he's the best player in the field If Bryson shows up. Like I mentioned last week, I don't necessarily, my only point was, I don't necessarily think that Bryson won this tournament because he, this is like the perfect Bryson course. And he possesses such a distinct advantage over the rest of the field. Based on his set. Bryson is the best player in this field. If he shows up and has his a game, he's going to win. Um, so I think he's pretty fairly priced. Honestly, I, I expected him to be a little bit more expensive and like I expected, Like I mentioned earlier, it's still earlier in the week, but I expected the ownership to be way more astronomical um, than it is at least shaping out to be right now. So I'm with you. I'm going to have a little Bryson for sure.
2: I think it really depends on how many lineups you're playing. I don't know if he's going to... Usually what I've been doing recently is playing my 20 lineups in either the 8 or the 5, whatever it might be, and then playing 150 in the 50 cent because I'm I'm learning new strategies, trying to figure out my player pools for 150 max if I ever want to make that jump up. I don't know if he's going to make my... 20 person player pool he'll make the 150 because he ain't play everyone at that point uh actually i use 33 players of the 156 and the 150 lineup so i can really hammer down on those combos and it's been going well so far so i'm trying to think of if he's going to make that 20 pool the the issue is like when i jump down to this next level the 10k range and it's reed webb hideki and zalatoris I mean, I don't love any of, like, not one of those guys completely sticks out to me, for one thing. And I don't love any of them either. So if I don't play Bryson, am I just starting my lineups with Kokrak?
3: You can do that. Um, you can do that and you will have a ton of options. It probably depends how in love you are with that 8K and 9K range and I'm not in love with the 8s at all. I am going to play Webb Simpson. I do think that the perception of Webb is a little bit off right now just because he hasn't been playing a ton but when he played, he's been really good. I'm willing to throw the US Open completely out the window. I didn't think that was a good spot for him. I think most people didn't think that was a good spot for him. I think Webb is kind of probably reaching a Point in his career. He's got four kids now where he's just going to pick his spots a lot more, and you're just not going to see Webb as much as you usually do. He's probably only going to play like the majors, the players, WGCs, and at courses that he legitimately thinks that he can win on. I wouldn't be shocked if we never see Webb at Torrey Pines, Riviera, or Mirfield ever again. I think the courses that he is going to choose to play Um, for the rest of his career are going to be courses like this where he really believes that he can win. And I think that he can win at this course. I don't, I I don't love the bet on him at like 18 or 19 to one, but I think he's incredible on Donald Ross courses. He's like the King of Sedgefield. He's played well at Eastlake before he's good on birdie fast. I'm not a huge motivation guy, but He's in serious Ryder Cup trouble. No, like I legitimately think that he needs to win or at least make some noise this summer to make that team. My only concern is like the lingering injury stuff that I've heard a little bit. Um, Obviously, we know that he withdrew from Quail Hollow and then he didn't look great at the U.S. Open. But I'm going to have some exposure to Webb in some way, shape or form because I just feel like this is a very important tournament for him and to him.
2: It seems like he's slipping through the cracks a little bit. People seem to be more interested in Patrick Reed at this point. I just think that's a lot of money to pay for Patrick Reed uh, when you can yeah. get the exact same win equity in a better field when he's 8600 bucks. So I don't know if I'm going to splurge on Reed. It's a very compelling case for Simpson. I think I'm actually more in love, and not in love is a very loose term there, with Hideki and Zalatoris. Hideki's made the cut here the last two years. It just all really comes down to the putter with him. And he's just striking it so well. I mean, we saw it at the Masters, but, you know, at the U.S. Open, six strokes gained on approach. At the PGA Championship, 6.4 strokes gained on approach. At Memorial, 4.2 gained off the tee. Like, and I'm around the greens. He's always immaculate. I, I don't know whether or not this is a great course for him because you're going to have to make so many putts to get so, so low. And I don't know if he's necessarily got that in him when – the rest of the field is also going to have 20-foot birdie putts all of the time as well. He might have a bunch of 9-foot birdie putts, but, you know, Brian Stewart might make a whole bunch of his 20-footers at the same time, and it negates the entire thing. Zalatoris is the interesting one for me because he hasn't made a putt in years. But when I think yeah. back to Zalatoris, I know that he played really well at the U.S. Open the first time around, didn't make a birdie at the U.S. Open uh, uh, this season, but he played well at the PGA Championship, played well at the Masters. But when I think about him from the Corn Fairy Tour, it's this kind of course where Zalatoris dominates.
3: Absolutely. I would probably prefer Zalatoris to Hideki, although both of them have the same concern, right? It's the putting Zalatoris has been putting so terribly right now. He's lost strokes, putting in five consecutive starts. I think he's young. He'll figure it out. Most of these young guys, um, the main thing that they struggle with at out of the gates is the putting. He hits the ball so well. And maybe POA is just what the doctor ordered. I know that this isn't a pure POA West Coast surface. I know that there's bent grass in there as well, and it's more of a mix. But two of his best three putting performance of the season came on POA at Riviera and Torrey Pines. I agree with what you said about the corn fairy stuff too. Like, you know, I think in theory, you think of a player like Zalatoris and you think because of his ball striking, you want to play him on harder courses where a lot more of the field possesses a disadvantage based on uh, their lack of ball striking compared to Zalatoris but i mean he tore up the corn ferry tour i believe that he's very comfortable going low so i like zalatoris i'm a little bit cooler on hideki you know i i i think that the masters win you know that's his only top 10 of the season um i i don't know if the masters win was um more of like an affirmation of a player that was coming in playing great or kind of an anomaly historically he's done great things. But if you shrink the sample size to more recently this year, the masters is literally is only top 10 of the season. It's like a huge anomaly based on how he's looked over the course of 2021. Um, I don't know if I'm ready to pencil him in as the guy at this price, but at the same time, like all these guys, like I'm looking Hideki around like 13% Zalatoris at 12%. You have so many options with what you can do with all these guys that there's no real Like, there's no real huge leverage or chalk that you should necessarily be fading in this range.
2: Well, that's the problem with a tournament like this, where there's distinctively six or seven good players and the rest of them have gigantic question marks even at their price points and we drop down into the nines like you have Neiman Neiman's up there Neiman's a fantastic player he's $9,800 has not shown the amount of consistency that you would want for someone normally at $9,800 I'm betting Kokrak I love Kokrak this week I'm gonna play Kokrak he might end up being the highest owned guy I really don't care I'm just think that he sets up for this course really well especially now that his putting has improved so much then you have Sungjae Bubba, Wolf, and Keegan. Keegan, more expensive than Jason Day at $8,900 as well. No one is using Bubba, but that's really the only non... I guess no one is really using Jay. And when I say no one, I mean, like, they're going to be single-digit ownership. You're going to have Sungjae, and you're going to have Bubba as the clear pivot plays in the Nike range. And I, I think I would go with Jay versus Bubba, but I don't feel good about it.
3: I'm using Jay. I'm betting Sungjae. Um, I... I I really like Sung in this spot. I mean, he was even through three rounds at Torrey Pines. Like, he was in the top 10 quietly at the U.S. Open through three rounds. He had a really bad Sunday, and I think he shot like a 78th on Sunday and finished 35th. But, you know, he was better off the tee. He gained strokes on approach, gained around the green and putted well too. The irons for Sungjae have been a lot better in general. Like The putter can get insanely hot. Earlier this year, he went on a run where he gained over 2.8 strokes putting in seven straight starts. He's finished ninth and sixth at the Wyndham in two appearances if you want to buy into the Donald Ross thing. I think he's incredible on birdie fest he loves going low like i mentioned he can get scorching hot with the putter and i can't really understand for the life of me why sung jay's 500 cheaper than neiman and still double the amount of people seem to want to be playing neiman nothing against neiman by any means i like neiman but i think you've sung jay sitting here at like 93 um and 8 percent on DraftKings. like i'm gonna do that 10 times out of 10
2: it's the lack of high-end finishes for Neiman that people are now worried about, but the ball striking just continues to be consistent every single week. Jay, round to round, it feels like you don't know what player you're gonna get. This is oh my gosh. And, th- and this has been going on all year at this <laughs> point. Like it's not it, it's not something like the past four events. Like oh, the irons didn't show up, but the driving was there, or the driving didn't show up, but the chipping was there. It's like every week he's either really good off the tee and good putting, and then like he is hurting his chances with his approach shots or his chipping. And then it flips the next week, and it flips round around Like, just going on Fantasy National, looking at his past 24 rounds, it's, it's a, a bunch of green in some spots, followed by a bunch of red, then a bunch of red by a bunch of green. Like, I don't know if he can get away. You can get away with having, like, a mediocre round at a four at this course, but a mediocre round at this course is, like, 70. He can't be that, like, 64, 73, 67. It just feels like that's what he's doing right now.
3: That's totally fair. I mean, I I didn't play Sungjae for a while this year because as somebody that spends a lot of time trying to figure out trends in the numbers and really digging into it, Sungjae is like a nightmare for any statistician. Like he is just, it is strokes gain whack-a-mole with him. It is so hard to draw any trend lines with what he's going to do. He's quietly become like him and Adam Scott and like DJ actually have like quietly become the most volatile and difficult players to predict on a week to week basis where one week they're awesome with their irons terrible with the short game and then it completely flips as you mentioned sometimes even in the exact tournament so that's why I kind of think that Sungjae may be a smarter bet than a DraftKings play I'm going to use him in both but you're right he isn't as safe as a guy like Neiman or certainly a guy like Kokrak who I I mean There's nothing bad to say about Kokrak at this point. Obviously I know that he had an off week at the U S open, um, but you know, model wise, he's like number one in everything he's putting out of his mind uh, he's like quietly turned into like Denny McCarthy this year he's gained over two strokes putting in seven of his last eight starts so if you want to play like a safer approach and play some more cash games and stuff like that I fully endorse Kokrak I think Jay's a really great play in like a GPP but you're right the volatility is a huge concern and 174 by Sung Jay at this tournament and he's going to finish like 45th or 50th
2: I think that Kokrak's a good cash or GPP play because I am betting him to win, and you're going to need the winner at an (laughs) event like this. And and you're right. like I'm looking at the modeling right now, and no matter really how far you go back, Kokrak is going to be number one at any point in the line. He already has two wins. this. If his name wasn't Jason Kokrak, and we didn't have this history with Jason Kokrak from the past five years or so, he would be $10,700 this week.
3: Oh, 100%, right? And I mean, like even in this field when there's a lot of questionable pricing, I think you could still make an argument that there's no reason that Kokrak should be cheaper than a guy like Neiman. Or, I mean, I think you could probably even make a case that he's closer to the Zalator, way closer to the Zalatoris level, or even the Hideki level based on how he's been playing. So I'm with you. I think that Kokrak is a very appealing option for me, especially in the range where once you get a little bit lower, like are you going to play any Matt Wolf? Or are you going to play any Keegan?
2: I'm playing a ton of Matt Wolf. I, I like Matt Wolf tracks. He's kind of like Bubba. I played a ton of Bubba last week, and although he didn't win, uh, he scored well enough uh, to be around where he was, till the very, very end when he made five consecutive bogeys to end his round. One of them, a double on 17. That was fun. Watching all your money go down the toilet. But I like Wolf here. I liked what I saw at him at the U.S. Open. I think at a court, like, he was able to score at the U.S. Open. He just happened to make a ton of bogeys and then double bogeys along the way. He's just not going to make that many bogeys here. He's going to make some. But through three rounds last year, he had 25 eagles and birdies. Like, this-, this is a perfect type of course for him.
3: I agree. I, my only concern is that, like. I don't want to say that he caught a little bit of lightning in a bottle at the U S open. And on Sunday, he did start to leak oil a little bit, but you know, he made everything at Torrey pines. He gained 4.5 strokes putting at Torrey pines. I, it came back down to earth a little bit more so at the travelers, I don't know if he's like fully back yet. I think he needs some more reps. So I kind of want to see him get in the swing of things a little bit more before I go like super heavy on Matt Wolf because I still think there's like a very big missed cut risk there. But I think if you look at from an upside perspective, again, he may be another guy where You feel a little bit more comfortable placing an outright on him than uh, playing a ton of him in DraftKings, just because when he can get going bad, he can get going really, really bad. But I'm still going to play him because I just think the upside is too great to ignore. And when he's sitting here next to a guy like Keegan Bradley... And you look at um, how top 10 finishers on average, Pat, over the past two years, I know it's a relatively small sample size, but to crack the top 10 at Detroit Golf Club over the past two years, you have to, on average, gain around four strokes putting over the tournament. That's just on average. You can get there doing less than that, and you can obviously get there doing way more than that. Keegan hasn't even done that in two years. Like He has a decade-long plus career, and I think he's gained over four strokes putting like 10 times in a decade
2: and he usually wins when that happens <laughs> you're right
3: about that <laughs> you're right about that
2: all right well, let's go down into the eights I'm not going to play Keegan this week I'll just take a pass he has missed two cuts in a row at this point too Jason Day at 8900 he was struggling out there but he still like finished pretty well Chuck Hoffman couldn't come through for me last week actually had a bit of a down week and still came inside the top 35 so that wasn't horrible Ricky Woodland Kisner Homa Higo Grio. Cameron Tringali and C. Woo Kim, same price as Phil Mickelson. I, th- I think this range is pretty easy for me. I like Homa, I like Higo, and I like C. Woo Kim. I'm playing them on DraftKings and I bet all three of them. So that's easy for me.
3: I am with you on all of them, I think. I think Homa is very underpriced. Uh, I. More so maybe in the betting market than he is on DraftKings, but I still cannot believe the lack of respect that Homa continues to get. Um, he rated out incredibly well for me. Um, unbelievable on like longer or not necessarily longer, but like classical golf courses. Most both of his wins were at Riviera on and Quail Hollow, both like classical golden age tree-lined golf courses. He's coming off a start where he lost over a stroke putting. Um, but the ball striking is fine he usually rebounds after a bad putting week he's a really good putter um, I am going to play Homa I think the ownership seems to be again like none of these guys really you can just kind of play exactly who you want so I'm definitely going to play some Homa I'm going to play a little Gary Woodland too um, I think he you know he hit the ball really well at the US Open he didn't putt well. Didn't uh, wasn't a good short game week for him either. But he gained three and a half strokes around the uh, off the tee. Gained on approach as well. His ball striking has been really really good. Um, he's gained on approach now in four consecutive starts. Makes a good amount of birdies. I think my only concern with Woodland is. You know, have we ever really seen him win on a birdie fest? I think you you tend to luck more towards Woodland on more difficult golf courses, obviously, because the win at the U.S. Open plays really well. Places like Memorial and Quail Hollow and some WGCs. So my only concern with Woodland is like, can a guy like Woodland get to 25 under? Is this the best tournament suited for him? But he still makes a ton of birdies. So I think the upside is there with Woodland. My two favorites in this range are probably Woodland and Homa.
2: Woodland and Homa, I, I like Homa from a betting perspective, and his number has already crashed. I caught it at a 75 yesterday when Feinberg and I did the show. Went and looked this morning on the same site. It's now 50 to 1, and that seems to be where the industry standard is going to go. And he's just, the reason that his odds are low and his DraftKings price is low is because he's wildly inconsistent. Uh, just, I put it out on Twitter yesterday where it's 10th, mis- miscut, miscut, 6th, miscut, miscut, 6th, miscut, miscut. So we're in the zone. For Homer to reappear and just turn out, I mean, he goes from 10th to 6th to 6th. Maybe it's threes now for him in like each of his next few starts. But that's the sort of upside that we're looking for, that very few guys that in their past nine starts have three top tens. He is one of those guys. So you have to take the good with the bad. I played him last week. He missed the cut and he sabotaged some really good looking lineups. But I'm not afraid to go back to him here either. It's a pretty high variance event by and large. and I want to take a guy who has that sort of upside. And that's, I mean, I so rarely play C on DraftKings. I usually just bet him to win. But I think this is a really, you talk about Donald Ross guys. He's a Donald Ross guy.
3: Absolutely. He is like him, Snedeker and Webb just absolutely own Sedgefield. And, you know, he, I played him last week at uh, Travelers as well. Uh, he was not great, but he did lose four and a half strokes putting, um, and he lost on approach as well. That doesn't really bother me at all, Pat. A player like Si Siwoo, who is such a volatile player, as you know, like the last time that he lost over four strokes on approach, he came back the next week. It was at the players and gained 8.1 <laughs> strokes on approach. So there is no reason to believe that Sung Jae, like, I would not read too deeply into the Travelers. I'm going to have a little bit of Sung Jae as well. I think he's very fairly priced here. Let me ask you about Tringale real quick, Um, because he's sitting here at 8,100, and he's a guy that I was on earlier in the season, and I've taken like a huge break from him. I don't even think I've played him at all um, in like a month and a half, but He's going to rate out well for probably everyone that has a model still. I think this is a really, really good course for him. Um, For the most part, he plays better at birdie fest than he does on hard courses. Uh, He's fourth in this field in average stroke games per round in easy scoring conditions. If you put that easy scoring conditions filter on fantasy national, uh, he rates out so well in absolutely everything. And he can get scorching hot with the putter like Unlike a guy like Keegan and Griel, those kind of other guys that have just been breaking everyone's models. Tringale is actually the best putter of all those guys. So what do you think about Tringale?
2: I had interest in him. as a T30 and a T5 in two years at this course since it moved to Detroit Golf Club. The problem is he's the highest owned guy of all these guys, and he's by far the worst player of all these guys.
3: (laughs) That's true. (laughs)
2: Like, just, like, objectively looking at it, like... Yeah, of, of course Tringali can beat Higo. I think Higo's a better player. I think that Homa's a better player. I think that Woodland's a better player. I think that Hoffman's a better player. I think that C-Woo is a better player. And even when we go down a bit lower, I think there are better, yeah, maybe not better players than him down there. He should be like $600 cheaper, and he's not. Yet everyone is still using him anyway.
3: That's the thing is, I mean, he's going to pop in every single person's model and that's why they're allowed to get away with a price like that. And still he's probably going to be close to 15% owned. I think you, like I said earlier, you have options here. So like, this is definitely a week where you can pick guys that are above 15% ownership. And there's so many ways to differentiate, uh, closer to the bottom of the board. Once we get there that like, you can kind of pick the chalk that you really want this week. I think I'm going to have a little Tringale just because I think that, uh, he rates out so well on this course, but as you mentioned, like, I don't think he's in the Higo category as a player. Higo is so difficult for me to figure out, man. These guys that come in from the European tour and I have like no data on, but people say are really good. They kind of just break my brain and I never know what to do with him. He is like 12 rounds of data on Fantasy National and one of them was a win. I have no idea how actually good he is. I think you could make an argument that he is completely underpriced, but I just, I still have no idea what to do.
2: Uh, he won me a bunch of money on the European tour just by constant high finishes week after week. that he had the two wins. He wins over here. Wanted me be a bunch of money at Palmetto. So that was fantastic <laughs> news. I, I just think that he's good. I think that he's relatively volatile. But these are the kind of courses that I want to play Higo at, like easy courses. This is where he was tearing up the Euro Tour. Easy courses in weak fields. Let's get to minus 26 at the Canary Islands. And he was so bad around the greens last week. And even at the U.S. Open, That that's pretty atypical. For Higo, just watching him over time, he has immaculate touch around the greens. I don't know what's going on with him right now, but if the ball striking keeps up, he's a fantastic putter. He just seems like... A type here. And I think that he's a much better tr- player than Tringali. Uh, and he is probably underpriced where I think that Tringali is overpriced. There probably should be a thousand dollar difference between these two guys, and there's not. So I'll be overweight on Higo. In the 150 build, maybe Tringali makes it, maybe he doesn't, but he's definitely not making my 20 lineup build. The other guys I just wanted to briefly talk about here you said you like Woodland, but you have this little run at the top. Uh, Besides Tringali, Hoffman is the one that people are going to. He could push, like, 18% ownership. But you have Ricky, Day, and Fowler. No, yeah, Ricky, Day, and Kisner, sorry. All in the upper eights as well. I don't know what to do with any of them. Right now, I'm leaning towards not playing them. No one is playing Fowler a week after everyone wanted to play Fowler. Seems like it could be a good rebound spot, although he's way overpriced.
3: Uh, I'm not playing any of them either. I think the Fowler thing was a gut check last week for everybody uh my problem with fowler on this course is like fowler has basically just turned into a short game wizard and everything else is completely hit or miss um that you know for the rest of the season i think the best places to play fowler is at hard courses where everyone is missing the green and you have to get up and down in his short game, which is like the only part of his game that is reliable right now can really shine. If you look at his two best finishes of the season, they were at Kiwa and Mirfield village, two of the hardest courses we see all year. This is not one of those places. Uh, He's losing strokes over his last 24 rounds in easy scoring conditions. He can really get it going with the putter sometimes. So like maybe, Um, but I think there are much better options out there. Same with day is like, I think this is the first time I can ever remember where a player finished in the top 10 of a tournament and I feel less confident about him.
2: I'm with you. He actually gained in all four strokes game categories last week, marginally, in off the tee approach, uh, and then he gained it all around the greens. Like, that's a classic Jason Day performance. It was the first time that he had gained strokes putting in six events, so maybe he's figured that out. I don't want to bank on that if the ball striking is not going to come along with it. Let's be honest, you're not getting as good of sleep as you need to be. Whether your problem is falling asleep, staying asleep, or just not feeling rested once you wake up, that's me, you're not alone. More than half of Americans, I'm not even American, I still experience this, but more than half of Americans report having trouble with getting enough sleep. At Brickhouse Nutrition, our team of on-staff physicians is on a mission to get heads on pillows, and we'd like to introduce Dreams Sleep Aid. By taking science backed ingredients like melatonin and combining them with natural ingredients from the earth like valerian root and jujube fruit, Dreams is a perfect blend for the perfect sleep. Go to brickhousesleep.com and get 15% off your first order at checkout with promo code MAYO. It's time to sleep like a brick? Brickhousesleep.com, promo code MAYO. Welcome to Stock X, the only Live marketplace for what's now and next. Whether it's the latest sneakers, apparel, electronics, collectibles, or trading cards, everything on StockX is brand new and 100% verified authentic. With StockX, you have the power to shop millions of hard-to-find or sold-out products at their true market value. Discover products that are on the trend and ahead of the trends by shopping on StockX. Download the app or sign up online to start buying and selling in a few easy clicks. Start shopping at StockX.com. Access the now. Again, StockX.com. But I want to talk about the 7K, guys, because this is really where, the, where you're going to make your bones here. Because I could see playing a lineup starting with Kokrak and being like, Kokrak, Homa, Higo, Siwoo Kim. And then we're on our way. And then you don't even need to dip down into the sixes all that much. Again, smash a like, best 6K play guy in the comment section. Sub to Mayo Media Network as well. Leave a rating and review on the podcast while you're at it. Do you have a favorite of the 7K guys? Because for me, it's like Reavy and Stanley at 7,600 bucks. I really like Seb Straka at 77, but I think that everyone's kind of on that this
3: week. Uh, I have a ton of guys in this range that I really like. I really like Snedeker, um, if you want to talk about the Donald Ross thing, like he is so great at the Wyndham, he's won at Eastlake too. Um, which is a Donna Ross course. He finished top 10 at Pinehurst as well, made the cut at Oak Hill, which I talked about, I think is one of the better comps that you can find for this course. Detroit Golf Club is just a much easier version of Oak Hill where they had the 2013 PGA Championship. Uh, He finished fifth here in 2019. So I I think Snedeker is a pretty good play. It doesn't look like a ton of people are gravitating to him. He can still rack it in with the putter. He's now lost strokes putting in two straight starts. The last three times that he lost strokes, putting in back-to-back starts in that third start, he's gone plus 3.4 plus 5.1, plus 1.6. I think he's too good of a putter to lose three weeks in a row. I think it's a perfect spot for him. I like Matt McNeely as well um, for kind of the same reasons. I think he can get really hot with the putter and this is just a pretty good course for Matt McNeely. Yes, small
2: small greens. Anytime you got smaller, smallish greens, you play Matt McNeely for whatever reason.
3: Absolutely. And then the other guy is, can I interest you in like a 4% Todd father at all?
2: Is, is he playing better? Or is he just putting well?
3: He's playing better. Um, he gained four strokes on approach last week. That was actually his best approach week in a year, Uh, He gained off the tee as well and he lost strokes putting. Um, So again, I don't know how much weight you really want to put into this, but I've had a good amount of success over the years playing really good putters. It's the same thing I kind of talked about a little bit just now with Snedeker, but playing very good proven putters coming off of bad putting weeks. I don't know why that happens. I don't know if uh, they just spend a little bit more time on the practice uh, greens after a bad putting week, but I've had a lot of success um, using that method and Todd has had two bad putting weeks in a row. I don't think he's done that in about three years. So I think we can probably expect a bounce back with Todd with the putter Um, it, the last time he came back after losing two stroke, two weeks in a row. I'm just looking at it now. He gained 3.8 strokes putting. He's made 10 of 12 cuts this year. Loves himself an easy course. I think both of his wins were at a course where you had to get to 20 under. So if if no one's using Todd whatsoever, and I want to play me some Kokrak, um, or you know Bryson, whatever, um, I think Todd is a great leverage play in the sevens. Um, what about uh what about like this kind of Norin, um Lucas Glover, um like Lanto, like that kind of group there, Varner even led the field in strokes gain approach last week. I kind of don't know what to do with any of those guys.
2: I don't really know either, so that's probably going to keep them off my list. Well, with Norren, it's just how well is he going to putt. If he putts well, he's going to be kind of in it and come 17th. If he putts poorly, he's going to miss the cut because the approaches have been awful uh, for about, I don't know, six months now. Although at easy courses, he tends to play a little bit better, so that's nice. I, I think the, the key name that we're not talking about here is the guy that everyone is actually playing, and that's Doc Redman. I don't know if I can get to Redmond. I mean, Straka is turning into overwhelming chalk, too. I don't love that. I have bet him to win. I might end up fading him on DraftKings just because I have that out of the top five and the outright win on him and try to hedge my bets a little bit. You did sell me on Todd, though. I I like your Todd case, and I like him as a leverage point off those two guys, if that's the way you want to go. I don't really have any interest in Werner or Glover, though.
3: Uh, I'm with you. I probably have a little bit more interest in Glover than Varner. No thanks for me on Doc Redmond. I think he's overpriced and overowned for who he is. And I say that as a huge Doc fan. Like I wrote him up uh, in December that he was going to have a breakout season. And actually, the season that Corey Connors is having right now is the season that I thought Doc was going to have. Obviously, that hasn't worked out too well, but. Like, I don't know what Doc has done to deserve this. I've seen him at some books where like he has lower odds to win this tournament than Max Homa and Siwoo. I mean, that makes no sense to me. Both of his two top tens this season came in like the easiest fields of the year. Um, you know, I know that he's better on easy courses and comfortable and birdie fast, but I have, there's no way that I can get behind like a 15% Doc Redman at $7,900. I'm with you on Straka too. I think he's probably a better bet than he is a DraftKings play at this point. Uh, but for me, like, again, in this range, it's probably a lot of Snedeker. It's a lot of Todd. It's a lot of McNeely, a little bit of Noren. Uh, As you mentioned, it's so weird how like Noren has turned into this guy that's like, contending at the British Open to suddenly like only good on easy courses like he is 6th in this entire field over his last 24 rounds on uh courses with easy scoring conditions so he loves himself of birdie fest and then I'm going to do uh if we go a little bit lower there's some other guys as well like once you get below $7500 Um, I'm going to play a little bit of Kirk. I'm going to play a little bit of Kazire. I'm going to do a little bit of Munoz too.
2: Yeah, no Kazire for me as I looked it up on a map. This is not in Texas, so I'm not going to end up playing him. Uh, The other guys, Chris Kirk, I can get behind the... The, the driving has just been so bad. It's it really, honestly, I look at it, and Shez is the clear play to me at $7,600. I think this is a perfect course for Shez Reevy. I'll play Gim at 7,000. The only other two that I was considering in the sevens, I like Hubbard at 73. It feels like his game is rounding back into form, and he is someone who gets scorching hot with a putter, who plays much better at easy courses. And his brother told me he's trending in the right direction, so that sounds like a good <laughs> idea. Uh, Merritt was the other one, who just been great. <laughs>
3: Merritt has been great. I, and I forgot to mention Chess, too. I'm definitely playing Chess. I love the Chess call. The irons have been great. He hasn't really putted well yet. Like, he's been on fire with his irons, and he just hasn't even had that week where he's putted well. He's six in opportunities gained over his last 36 rounds. So you have to figure he's going to make them at some point. It's not like historically he's this terrible putter. I love the Chess play. Uh, Merritt, too, is interesting to me um he has been recently more he's been getting it done with the short game and putting um and kind of my biggest issue with him is how dreadful the irons have been specifically the short irons he ranks outside of the top 100 in all of those proximity distances but with that being said Like he's just been playing so well right now. I know he kind of stumbled a little bit on Sunday at the Travelers, but eighth at the Valspar, seventh at the Byron Nelson, seventh at the Charles Schwab, made the cut at the Memorial and the U.S. Open. So I'm going to have a little bit of merit. You're right on Hubbard too. He kind of fits the profile perfectly of just a guy that tends to thrive on these types of courses and these types of tournaments. Gim is interesting. No, Gim
2: is the play. Gim is always the play. Come on now.
3: I play him. I always play him. i i, I it, listen, it's so hard for a person like me who spends a lot of time looking at these numbers. he's going to he's going to pot well one of these weeks, and I have no interest in missing that
2: no, neither do I. I i i the only time I was off all year was at the players and he was in like the he was the co-leader after three res. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, what is happening? Uh, that it didn't really work out. He played really well at API too. maybe you just play him on Bermuda, which this is not, but the only other one for me, interest-wise, was Stallings at $7,100, was the first-round leader here a few years back. Just a hunch. Almost like Merritt. I find, I find like Merritt and Stallings are pure feel guys. The stats are never going to look good on them, but do you think that this course suits them well? I do think this course actually suits Scott Stallings relatively well, and it's, it's funny that he's won at Torrey Pines in his career. He has like two wins, one at a birdie fest and one at an ultra-difficult course. So he just either shows up or he doesn't show up. He's just... One of those random guys. Do you think that Brian Stewart, being the local guy, that's the narrative around him that he's going to play well again here?
3: I never do the local stuff. um <laughs> I mean, he's fine. He hits the he fits the profile kind of well too. I mean, he puts very well sometimes. He the irons and ball striking has been hit or miss, but he is one of those guys where like he gets hot with the putter. He'll be fine. There are a lot of guys that I like in this range, so I'm probably not gonna go to him. Like I mentioned, like I'd just rather play Munoz, who I mean, I bet him at 175 to one to win this tournament. I just <laughs> I think that like he makes a ton of birdies. He does all of his best work on easy courses. He can get scorching hot with the putter. He gained 10 strokes putting at the Colonial just three starts ago. I know that he's missed both of his cuts here and that's always a risk with Munoz is the miscut potential but he's also the type of guy that can win you a lot of money because he's just going to randomly pop and when he plays well finish in the top five whereas when Stewart plays well he's going to finish like 25th
2: early ownership is gravitating towards Ryan Armour Danny Willett uh, let's see here. Cam Davis and Hank Lebiota. Could be one of the highest owned guys in the 7K range. I like Lebiota. Those other guys are more off course history. Willett returning from his appendectomy. Uh, and then LeBiota's just playing really well right now. I don't know if I want to jump on an up in price chalky Lebiota though.
3: That's a little dangerous for me. I'm probably going to, I'm kind of going to probably going to avoid Lebiota here. He did finish fifth at the travelers. Um, Obviously I think that's probably why you see the ownership spike. And I think even on Sunday morning, he held like a share of the lead for a minute. Uh, That was the best finish of his career in a full field event. He gained, he did it by gaining 5.8 strokes putting. So I think we can probably expect that to regress a little bit, but With that being said, like he is a pretty good iron player too. So even if the putter regresses a little bit, he's been good enough with his irons. I just like, I think Munoz is better. Um, I think Russell Knox is probably a better player than him. Um, KH Lee obviously is cheaper than Lebiota and he played well at the travelers and he just won a tournament on another easy course this year where he got to 2,500. So it's probably a pass on Lebiota for me.
2: All right, let's fire through the 6K range because there's a ton of names down here, but uh, I know you want to talk about your boy, Two-Face, so let's hear it.
3: Uh, Akrot? Yeah. Um, I I think he's a stud. I'm in. Uh, Like He shot 61 at Oak Tree National. That is one of the hardest courses I've ever played in my life. Uh, He broke the course record by four strokes. Um, All the Oak Tree guys think he's really legit. Um, I... I believe it like he finished 47th uh, last week on the PGA tour in a uh, tougher field than this. He gained off the tee. He gained on approach. He missed the cut at the uh, Valero, but he gained off the tee and gained on approach as well. He just couldn't make any putts finished 12th at my I think he's a real player. Um, I don't know if it's going to materialize this week. Like I, if you do your uh, that golf draft that you do every year, I would just, I would pick him in next year's golf draft. I'm not necessarily saying that like, you should put your life on Ekro this week. Um, I'm going to play him because I think the upside is there. And I think sometimes you can find these guys that um, people just don't know what to do with because there's not enough of a sample size and they're kind of this stud coming out of college, but there's no like basis of how he should actually been be priced. I think he's uber talented. I'm going to play a little bit of him. Um, but you know, it's Ekro. It's his fifth start on the PGA tour ever. So we'll see.
2: Do you think that Bryce Garnett is going to gain 14 strokes putting again this week?
3: (laughs) Absolutely not. Um, yeah, that is a, that is a no from me. He's not even somebody I considered whatsoever. That is one of the craziest stat lines I've ever seen in my entire life.
2: So the main one that I have identified here and I was shocked to see that the numbers weren't super high in terms of ownership but I really like Norlander he's coming back around in terms of the ball striking after it went away after a nice really early season run he's $6,800 he's played well at this course in the past I think if he can find the putter just a little bit all of a sudden Norlander at $6,800 is going to be one of the better plays uh this week I have Bramlett and Kadira also starred right now I mean, Kadira's averaging like five and a half strokes gain putting over his past four starts. All of a sudden he went from being one of the worst putters to one of the best putters. I feel like this is the type of course where he should play well. I keep betting him and he keeps showing flashes. Then he kind of fades a little bit coming into the weekend, but he keeps making cuts. And that's really what I want down here with a little bit of upside at 6,800. Bramlett, just, you talk about guys that are like popping in models. It's him. And I don't really understand why.
3: Uh, I'm with you on all of the guys that you just mentioned. I... I always like the six K range, probably more so than I should. Uh, But I think that there are a lot of appealing options in this range. I like Norlander a lot. He's hit the ball. Great. The past two weeks, not a good putter at all, but he also has random weeks where he can just go absolutely nuts with it. So I can definitely get behind Norlander Kadaira, I have no reason to believe that he is not going to keep up this putting. I mean, I don't know. I would have to dig into this, but like how many times have we seen a player sustain uh, around five strokes putting over like a six or seven tournament stretch? Uh, I have no idea. So you think maybe there has to be a little bit of regression coming, but at the same time, like it's a perfect course for him. And he hasn't been hitting the ball terribly too. So even if the putter does regress just a little bit, I still think that he can finish highly here. The guys that, I mean, I like Vaughn Taylor a lot at 6,600. I think Vaughn Taylor's a solid play. He's now gained over three and a half strokes on approach and back-to-back starts. Really good putter, really good wedge player. Gets crazy hot with the putter when he gets going. He's already had two starts this year where he's gained over eight and a half strokes putting. Um, some guys go like, Multiple years or their career without doing that. And he's good enough with his irons that if he can just kind of pair them together and not be dreadful off the tee, I think he'll be okay. And then what about Ari eggs?
2: Oh, Ari Iggs. Uh, I mean, he should be playing in the Irish Open, but eh, here we are. Uh, I think I have more interest in, like I said, like Bramlett and McCumber for whatever reason. McCumber's actually been gaining a bunch on his approaches, and we know that he can put it out there. I like him in these easier tournaments. If you need someone from the bottom, he's $6,200. That's probably where I would go. I think earlier in the week I had talked myself into Michael Thompson, and I'm not even sure why I had done that, but... (laughs) Oh, you talk about someone who can get super hot with the putter. He's one of those guys. Higgs, not really doing it for me. I want to give a deeper look to Seifert, maybe. Scott Piercy at 68 is probably a play, though.
3: Piercy is interesting the other guy that i would throw out there is adam shank at 6500 30th and a 40 second here missed a cut at the travelers but he gained a stroke off the tee and 1.2 on approach he's actually ninth in opportunities gained and 30th in birdies are better gained over his last 36 rounds so he makes a ton of birdies Tends to make a lot of cuts as well and always plays well on easy courses. Yeah, the thing with Higgs, as you mentioned, he does love himself a birdie fest, but I don't even know if all the Tito's is out of his system at this point after that top five at the PGA. So it's going to be tough to get there for me with him as well. Um, I just want an excuse to say Airy Eggs. Um, Nick Taylor uh, is kind of the only other guy that I have some interest in. Uh, He is great on Birdie Fest. He finished eighth at the Wyndham before uh, multiple top tens at the Safeway. I think I've heard a little bit about a comp there. Um, Awesome on Poa, finished 20th at the Genesis, and obviously won at Pebble Beach a couple years ago. He's just a guy who's won on the PGA Tour before that I think may be a little bit better than some of these other guys that come in with a lot of question marks. But yeah, that's kind of it for me. It's like Norlander, Ekro, a little bit of bramlett uh von taylor and shank in this range
2: all right let's get to the play the best plays lineup it was tough last week because there weren't that many good plays once we ended up going down the list and we'll see if that ends up happening this week where do you think we should start with our play the best plays lineup who is the expensive guy because i just put in coke Rack at ninety five hundred bucks should we make him our most expensive player or should we and go balance or should we go with another high-end guy and then kind of pepper this low sevens mid sevens range
3: I think the question is between, if we're talking play the best plays, I think the question is between starting with Bryson or Kokrak. Um, I, can't, I mean, is there a universe where we can fit them both in?
2: Let's see. Bryson, Kokrak. I'll take Chuck Hoffman out right now. Yeah, I have, I have Shez, Kokrak, and Bryson all in a lineup right now. And we have $7,200 left for the next three guys.
3: Uh, risky. Okay. So I haven't really constructed too many lineups where I play both of them. Um, but you know, there are so many guys in that 7,000 range or that low 7,000 high sixes that that's, I mean, you could make that work. I would say that the move is either doing that Bryce and Kokrak, and then just playing a lot of guys in the sevens that we think are pretty safe, or, uh, maybe starting with one of Bryson or Kokrak and making sure we're able to fit a guy like Homa in there. Cause I think Homa, as we talked about, we're both very on the same page with Homa as a great play. Maybe, I mean, maybe he shouldn't be in the best place lineup he is, because he does is, miss Ho, a Ho, lot of Homa, cuts.
2: Homa and Siwu are, are two plays. I love, they are not making the play the best plays lineup.
3: Yeah. He misses too many cuts. You're right. So, so I,
2: I have this: Kokrak, Hoffman, Shez, I have Higo in there right now at 83. I can take him out. Now, do we want to go a al- little? Because I don't feel great about anyone in the upper eights or lower nines. So if we take out Higo and we go with, let's say, Webb. Put in Webb. Now we have 6,700. I I like Norlander. I think Norlander's fine. We'll throw him in. $6,700? Like, is there anyone down there that you think is all right? I mean, we could put your boy in the lineup, but I don't know. Maybe that's... no but okay we could get rid of Hoffman and do let's say Stanley who's been playing some pretty good golf so then we have Kokrak, Stanley, Reavy, Webb, Norlander and have 7,900 left and the Todd father's right there
3: I love that um (laughs) I fully endorse Todd father for the play the best plays um I mean yeah should should
2: should Straka be in this lineup with the way that he rates out
3: I'm not playing any Straka to be honest with you. Um, so I, I mean, he had this like awesome week at the travelers and, uh, with the irons and, and the ball striking. And other than that, like it's been a lot of red numbers for him. So I'm not playing Straka. Um, not necessarily because, like, I'm anti Straka. Like I said, like, I think an outright bet on Straka or maybe like a top 20 on Straka makes sense, but I just don't really understand. I think the ownership is a bit of an overreaction. So I don't know if I'd put Straka in there at the same time, like, Todd's 4% for a reason, right? Like the the upside, the upside might not be there. Whereas Straka can get scorching hot with the ball striking. And he has that length and that distance. So it's, it's kind of tough for me to decipher in there. I mean, I like Snedeker a lot at $7,700 too. And McNeely, um, I think are both kind of interesting guys that maybe deserve some attention in there.
2: Well, I think I'm going to stick with this one. I, I just saw the update. It's a good thing we took Charlie Hoffman out of the play, the best plays lineup because he is now out of this tournament. Uh, he withdrew wow. and Luke list withdrew. Peter Uline and Seamus power get in. If DraftKings updates itself to Seamus power, I'm usually pretty anti Seamus power, but he's actually just playing legit golf right now.
3: Uh, I'm probably in on Seamus power too. Obviously I haven't really done too much of a dive on him yet. Cause he just got into the field, but I played him at the Palmetto um he's a good player um so yeah I absolutely like Seamus Power I'm, I'm gonna be interested to see what they put his price at
2: okay Webb Simpson ten six, Jason Kokrak 9-5 Stanley and Shez at 7,600 the Todd father Brendan Todd at 79 and Henrik Norlander the Swede 6,800 bucks is the play of the best plays lineup boom let's enter that one no one copy it okay Andy tell everyone <laughs> what you got going on this week
3: Um, Thanks, Pat. Um, I have a, my podcast should be coming out uh, later this morning. Um, You can check out my work on rotoballer.com as well and use promo code Andy for a 10% discount off the premium package. We have a great team of writers over there at Rotoballer and obviously subscribe to the Pick the Pub Golf Show on Apple Podcasts. I do like a Sunday solo preview show where I get super deep into the numbers and break down the course. And then I have a guest on every Tuesday to kind of break down the odds board and do a little bit of picks, uh, a little bit of a pick show. And you can find me on Twitter at ADP Lack Sports.
2: All right. Thank you. Impressive debut, Andy. I'm not going to lie to you.
3: (laughs) Thanks, man. I really appreciate it. Um, I'm I would love to come on anytime, dude. I'm a big fan of yours. Obviously, I've been able to develop a great friendship with Jeff over the past couple of months just talking golf. The one guy that I can't crack that maybe I hope this appearance can help me with is Tim. I tweet at Tim all the time, and uh, he never wants uh, wants to engage with me.
2: He probably has you muted.
3: it's probably because I'm trolling him and just pointing out uh, his cursed plays. Well, I told him that he body snatched Harris English.
2: Yeah. So you're, you're most definitely muted by Tim. Why would you think you wouldn't be muted by Tim?
3: (laughs) I don't know. I think that me and Tim would, so this is probably going to get me in some hot water after we had such a great conversation, but I feel like me and Tim would be like, I don't think that some of Tim's takes Are as absurd as some people think. I I like. We we got
2: we we got to end this. This, this, We should get out of here. We should get out of here. I mean, in fairness, (laughs) Tim is a friend to all. Everyone in real life loves Tim, unlike me, who they just generally despise in real life. But on camera, apparently, I'm the more popular one than him. Who would have thought that? Anyway, I'm Pat Mayo. You can follow me at the PME. On Twitter, fantasynational.com/slash mayo for 20% off. I suggest the monthly membership right now to take you through the British Open. You get that 20% off. Win-win. Plus, the newsletter is free. It's in the description along with the listeners' league link. Smash the like on the way out, rate and review the audio podcast, and they'll do it. Good luck this week. I'll see you next time.
0: This
1: is the story of the one.